0: romumu.org for more information about the other jcast network podcasts and blogs please visit jcastnetwork.org this morning's um Torah service from Parshat Titzaveh we're learning this morning about a beautiful teaching beautiful teaching from the Meore Naim, from Menachem Nochem of Chernobyl, whose illustrious great-grandchild was here last night with us, Nachem Tursky, very, very involved in Limud, New York. I wanted to begin this morning's Torah service. Can you all hear me, by the way? It's okay. I wanted me to begin this morning's tourist service just with this insight, and then I'll be giving it over to Rabbi Mira. Menachem... Torsky, the Chernobyl Rebbe, writes on this week's Torah reading in his, again, his book, Ori The Light of the Eyes, about the beginning of the Parsha, which we'll not be reading ceremoniously, but we'll be reading a different piece that Rabbi Mir will talk about. But the beginning of the Parsha is about the lighting of the menorah, specifically about the fuel that made for the kindling, the Shemin Zayetzach, this pure olive oil that was used, the near Tamid, for the for the near Tamid, for the light that was always on. The light that was always on in the temple. And the Chinola Rebbe says that everybody knows that in Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism, he says, of course not everybody knows this, but he says it, <laughs> that in Jewish mystical thought, God is so infinite that there's no way for the infinite God and the finite world to interact without intermediaries of some kind, a stepping down system, where they're called the Midot. The qualities in the world known as the spherot, but the energies in some way, God clothes God's self in finitude through these qualities. He says that's the reason they're called Midot, which means qualities or measures, things which are measured or made limited in some way. And the Torah is the place, he says, where God, as it were, where she clothes herself the most that where God wants to come into the world, it's through the wisdom of our ancient tradition called Torah, or other Torah, wherever sacred literature is being plumbed for its depths. We are in some way, shape, or form connecting to the infinite that is now clothed in the garments of letters and stories and words. It goes a little bit further to say that the word, the first word of the Torah portion this morning, the Atah, and you, which is Moshe, you, Moshe, Moshe's name will not be mentioned at all in the Torah reading this week. Many reasons given for that, but just for a moment, he says it's because that Moshe goes undercover inside of the letters of Torah in order for us to discover Moshe in us, to speak from us to Torah. And in that dialogue between the Moshe within us and the Moshe hidden in the Torah, the word v'atah means, and you can also mean and me. That when we read it, Ve'ata and you. God saying to Moshe and you. Because it's a pronoun, it can also mean Ve'ata, meaning now me. Now you, whoever is listening. Find the hidden infinite and the Moshe teacher within Torah. The Vav, he says, is hamshacha. The Vav becomes Ve'ata. And now you. You add your voice. You add your Torah. You go and find the wisdom of Torah. And that's what we do every Shabbat morning whenever we open up Torah. We say, not just reading it for what it says, but what we say, and it says what we think, what we feel, how we plummet, how we extract the light that is hidden in these words. And so, Rabbi Mira will open up the open up this morning, the reading, and the intention. Rabbi Mira,
1: let's dive into the verbs. I love verbs. We are on, so you can open your machine to page 513. And it's the last paragraph, verse 19. So it says, then take, verb one, this other ram, and let Aaron, next verb, lay, hands upon the ram. And then it says, slaughter the ram. Shochet, yes. And then take some of the blood and put it on the ridge of Aaron's right ear. I'm gonna pretend this is Aaron that touched my right ear. Right really where you have this um, flexible part of the ear. And then do the same thing with this blood and put it on Aaron's son's right ear. And what else? The thumbs of the right hand, and the big toes, right? So here we are, we have ear, and right? I'm, I'm, I'm right, so to you, I'm. this will be my right, yes? Let's pretend we're in a dance class. I'm the mirror, this is your right ear, your right thumb, and your right toe. And we will, some of us might choose to forego the image of the blood, but let it be. So I'm gonna tell you a story. So I grew up in the Philippines. I was born in, in Detroit. But like a lot of children of immigrant parents, I was sent to grow up where, you know, in the land of my parents, where there would be lots of kids, a big garden, and all that. So I was the only kid amongst the cousins who was interested in what was going on in the kitchen. So Ate Edad was an aunt and she used to buy food every day for the, for the whole household and there would be a time in the week where she would buy two chickens. One chicken here, a live chicken. She would she'd be coming home from the market holding it by the legs and over here her her muscles bulged with two baskets laden with vegetables and everything else. And what she would do with these chickens is cook it, right? So I was the only kid who was interested in how it actually came from, it went from being a live chicken to soup. <laughs> right? So what would happen? So come with me come with me to our kitchen. We had two kitchens, an inside kitchen and an outside kitchen, right? There would be a door that would lead to the outside kitchen. There would be a stove also on the outside kitchen, and we would do all the cutting and preparing sitting on our haunches, right? All you yogis there, what's the name of that position? (laughs) Say it loud, (laughs) right? So, and with the water running, she would prepare. She would take, she would take a cleaver, and just go ch- 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 sharpen it. And then, when it was sharpened, she would just take her thumb like this—a really big, ugly old nail—and um, she would make a little cut on her nail. Right? She had this big, ugly, long nail that was for this purpose of testing how sharp the ch- the, the knife was. Right? And then she would take the the chicken and we have no children in this room right now, right? And then not big ones. And then she would go, she would hold it like this and let the weight weigh down, and then she would, and then she would bleed it down. And I, as a kid, just saw this as total ritual. I would sit there, because she would say, yeah, just be quiet and watch. And then she would dip the chicken in boiling water, and then she would give the chicken to me, and my job, which I always looked forward to, was plucking the feathers out, yeah. right? Water still running, then she would make the cuts, right? Cut it by the joint, remove the insides, and all the time water running, and then as I remember like as she would cut piece by piece, it was with as if she was massaging, and all the time massaging this chicken, these pieces, and then she would run it in the water, and then she would put it aside, put it on a plate, salt it, and again, with such love, and put it aside. So this story was something that was just normal to me until I applied to a rabbinical program. And they wanted to know, well, how did your parents get to where they got to, right? So then I said, oh, well, I had great-grandparents that came from Spain, and they went to the Philippines, and and then I came... They came to America, and then I was born, and then I went back. So so I'm telling you this story because the parasha that we are dealing with, Tetzabeh, has this section, which we are focusing on now, on verse 19, where it says, take the ram, lay, let Aaron and his sons lay their hands upon it, slaughter the ram. These are hard images for us, but for me, growing up this way, knowing that that chicken will become the soup and will become all these other preparations, and she was, and and she was this, this person that created food that was like out of chocolate or any other movie that you see that was just about so much love with the food. And my grandma, all the time, would be supervising. So I tell you, I bring this story here because although this is a very problematic um, teaching we see here that there is a kind of life that is being transferred from the animal to our plate, our dinner plates, right? From, in my case, and in your case too. From this blood to the ear, the thumb, and the toe. So that it's one ear means it's the other ear. And everything that's in between, right? So the, the priests are being sanctified with their whole head. With one thumb, sanctifying it with the blood. That means you're sanctifying all these hands. And this other thumb, all these hands. And then the toe. One toe, sanctifying the whole leg and all the toes. And the other toe. And I stand here, and I just see Rabbi David doing this this stand-up, right? He says, everybody stand up. Shift your weight gently from from foot to foot and feel your whole body resting on your legs and your whole being as we go into this meditative space so i bring this to you because this is how they sanctified a priest a spiritual leader in the times in the biblical times for you and me now what would this mean so that our ears might hear the right thing because the ear is the one that usually cannot filter what comes in. So the rabbis also say that look, check out the ear. There's something about the ear, right? It can fold. Who I as a kid I love to fold my ears down and fold it again and fold it one more time, or do this when I don't want to hear something. Right? So it is said that the rabbis noticed that there this soft ridge of the ear is something that protects the other part of the ear, and in so doing, it protects everything that goes inside. So thinking of the ear, the thumbs, and the toes, as being instrumental with who you are, with everything that you are, you come with your whole being. I also wanna bring you back again to, those, to the chicken, right? So as they were cutting and all this, I remember that there was this piece of the chicken that was this, it looked like cellophane. It looked like, like, a, like white stuff in between all the tissues. When I started dancing and I needed body work, Rolfing, anyone? Right? Where they worked on moving this fascia so that they could get inside the muscle and actually remold the body, remold the you know, the stiff part of the muscle into its natural space. And so I think of this, ten, uh, this tensor fascia latte as, as the rest of all of us that brings us toe, thumb, and, and, um, and ear all together. So today, I would like to make a call, right? In this Torah reading, we say that there is a call to hear. I hear you. And I remember almost a year ago when I stood in front of a vakahal and we had a young man do his bar mitzvah on this particular um, Torah reading, but that bar mitzvah had to have a prayer for a friend of his that was shot in, in Parkland. And we saw later on after that incident that a leader who shall not be named, sat surrounded by other survivors of this real national emergency. And this leader had to have a cheat sheet like this in between his hands. And this cheat sheet revealed three questions. What would you most want me to know about your experience? What can we do to make you feel safe? And the words that resounded all throughout the nation was, I hear you. This leader who shall not be named had to be told to say, I hear you. So today, I hear a call to action, but not the fake words, the new truth algorithms that are being Uh, propounded by this leader. I bring you the words of Emma Lazarus. What did she say? Our Jewish sister said, give me your tired, give me your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. I lift my lamp, my menorah, right? I crush, I crush, I crush this menorah, the, these olives that will produce the light for this, for this menorah. And she says, I lift my lamp beside the golden door, beside the golden Medina, this new country, this golden country, which is the United States of America. And she says, until we are all free, we are none free Yes, we've heard other calls, and some of these other calls says, well, accept the things that we cannot change. That's supposed to bring us serenity. But today I say, I hear the call of Angela Davis to consistently dedicate our lives and our energy to changing the things that we cannot accept. Serenity, to change the things that we cannot change. A new order, to change the things that we cannot accept. And where you and I stand in that intersection in that, in that fascia, right? In that heart in between this extremity and this extremity and this extremity and this toe and that toe, in between all that we stand. And so I'd like to invite all of you who feel that you can bring, you're trying your best, dear God, I'm doing the best I can, love Frank that prayer from children's letter to God, if you are trying to your best to bring your, your ear and your thumbs and your toes and all your extremities to this work, to this work of love, so that we can, with that toe, open up the door that's slightly open so others who need to enter can enter. Please come forward. If you and join us in the first Aliyah. If you are one to take the kazayit, like the smallest amount, right? They say as small as an olive of truth that you learned whatever level of Torah, Talmud, common sense, proverbs you've learned from your grandmother, from a rabbi, from a rebbe. You take the kazayit of knowledge and blast it so that it will be combustible energy for yourself and for others come forward if you have the energy and the desire to make this kind of light and be a menorah to all of us please come forward we are crushing on these words we are crushing on what it means to take life to give life for nourishment and bring our Torah to the front